Hallelujah. Well, are you happy this morning? Just wave to me if you are happy this morning. Why don't we just give the Lord a big hand of praise? Hallelujah. 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 You may take your seat in the presence of God this morning. It's a great joy for me to be here again uh, this morning. And uh, I really count it a, a privilege and also an honor to minister the word of God to you. And uh, I really thank and appreciate uh, Pastor Tech for uh, inviting me and also for the friendship uh, that we have built over the years. Um, he mentioned about um, the, the seven uh, rugby. And um, I, I heard that there was a kind of a meeting between the New Zealand Rugby Union. And, uh, but let me say something. Uh, very clearly and plainly and honestly. Uh, it was uh, Pastor Tuck when he came to Fiji, he publicly declared <laughs> that the Fiji Sevens will win the Olympics. <laughs> so that's, that's the truth. And uh, when, we, when we have the, the, the medal, I, was, I think I was in the United States when you, when you send that uh, congratulation um, a message and uh, reminding me of um, the word that we declare together uh, at the World Harvest Center. So let's just give him a big hand this morning because in our opinion, he is a real prophet. Well, if you have your Bible, let's just go to uh, the book of Revelation and uh, Revelation chapter 2. And uh, we'll read from verse 1 to verse 7. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, This thing says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say that they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered. And have patience and have labored for my name's sakes. And have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you. That you have left your first love. Remember therefore from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works. Or else I will come to you quickly. And remove your lampstand from its place. Unless you repent. But this you have that you hate the deeds of Nicotans. Which I also hate. He who has an ear. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Amen. In the, the book of Revelation, we learn about the seven churches. And these are the seven churches in Asia Minor. And... Um, In God's message to the seven churches, and, and by the way, uh, a lot of people, they always think that this is a mystical church or invisible church. But let me uh, remind us this morning, these are not invisible church. These are real churches that has real people, that has real pastors and leaders. 
So God was speaking to these churches. And uh, we learn that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And uh, we learn that he's in control of the seven churches that is mentioned in the book of Revelation. We also learn that he is inspecting those churches and giving instructions. He's also giving corrections. He's also giving some warnings. And he's also giving his promise to those churches. And as we study the seven churches in God's message to the seven churches, he concluded with his word, those who have ears must hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the churches. When I was in Ephesus about 12 years ago, I was reminded of the words of Paul to the Galatians when he said, Oh, you foolish Galatians, who has deceived you when you start with the Spirit and you end with the flesh? You know, so many of us, we start off well. So many churches, so many move of God, they start off well, but they don't end up well. As we start a revival all over the world, most of the revival only lasts for about three or four years. It's one thing to start the revival, it's another thing to maintain the revival. And so God was speaking to these seven churches and he was saying to these churches, those who have ear must hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church today. My question to us this morning, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you as a believer? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you as a leader? What is the Holy Spirit saying to us as a church? Are we hearing what the Holy Spirit is saying? When Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit, he said he will only say what he hears. Are we really saying what we are hearing from the Holy Spirit? Or are we just saying what everybody else is saying? That's why the Bible says those who have ears must hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church today. And the key word in, in the book of Revelation to the seven churches is this word that God said, I know. I know. See, God knows everything about you. God knows everything about me. God knows everything about us. There might be things that uh, you might think that nobody knows. There are things that we might hide from our spouse or from our children. But you cannot hide anything from God. And God is saying, I know. I know what is going through your mind. I know your struggle. I know the trouble. I know the challenge that you're facing. God knows it all. And then he, he commanded this church in Ephesus. And, and the church in Ephesus was a, was a good church. It was a great church. It was a church that, it was, a church that was pastored by Paul in Acts 19. It was also a church that was pastored by John who wrote the Gospel of John and 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and also the book of Revelation. 
And even the gospel of John was written from the city of Ephesus. So he was a pastor there at one time. And also Timothy was a pastor of this church here in Ephesus. And this church at one time, it made a great impact in that part of the world. It was like the center of the churches in, in Asia Minor. And um, it was a powerful church. And they were able to influence every spheres of society. Here we, we learn the power of the gospel transforming communities. Transforming lives for the glory of God. We also learn how the gospel were able to expand from this church even to Asia, to Europe, and to other nations around the world. So God was commanding this church. And as we look at this church, it was a pretty good church. Because God says, I know your works. I know your labor, your patience. So first of all, he said, I know your works. So this church was a hard-working church. They are not a lazy church. They are not a laid-back church. They are a hard-working church. And God said, I know your labor. This church is a serving church. They always love to serve the community, to serve the people. They always love to serve the Lord with, with a spirit of excellence. So we learn it, they were not only a hard-working church, but they were also a serving church. And God said, I know your patience. It was a stable church. In spite of the persecution, in spite of the challenge that they faced, they were not moved. So it was a steadfast church. And that you cannot bear those who are evil. We learned that this church was also a separated church. They don't associate themselves just with anybody. They don't follow the wrong crowd. They were a separated church. And then it says, And you have tested those who say that they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. We have learned that this church, they were biblically sound in their teaching. They were discerning. They were able to discern between the flesh and the spirit, between what is of righteousness and what is of unrighteousness what is of God and what is of the evil so they were moving with discernment so and then the Bible says in verse 3 and you have persevered so it was also a persevering church they don't give up easily I have learned over the years that perseverance will always overcome persecution we need to persevere and be patient and labor for my namesake and have not become weary. So this church, they don't get weary easily. So they are full of stamina, full of energy, full of vitality. They're always reaching out to the community to serve the community, to serve the people with a spirit of excellence. And then God said in verse in verse. Um, Verse 4, before he said that, so we learn 
that this church was a great church. It was a good church. That the people in the city talk about this church. They love to attend this church. And as you look at the young people, they were growing. They were really on fire for the Lord. If you look at their cell group, a lot of people always attend their cell group and Bible studies and prayer meetings. And the women ministry, the men ministry, all of them, they always love to hear the word, to listen to the word, and to apply the word of God into every area of their life. So they were making great impact in the city of Ephesus. So if you look at it from the outside, it's a pretty good church. And if I'm in that city, I really love to be part of the church. And then in verse 4, it says, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. You see, we learn that God does not judge us according to our outward performance. But God judges inwardly. Hallelujah. I remember the words of Martin Luther King when he said, I had a dream. And my dream is this, that one day, that one day, my own children will not be judged by the color of their skin, but they will be judged by the content of their character. God sees your heart. God sees your character. And we must be men and women of character. God does not commit himself to gifts and talents, but God always commit himself to character. It's your knowledge. It's your skill that can always take you to the top, most top. It's one thing to be at the top. It's another thing to remain at the top. It's one thing to be married. It's another thing to stay married. For you to remain at the top, most top, and for you to remain married or to stay married, you have to be a person of character. It is your character that protects your knowledge. It's your character that protects your skills and your abilities. Hallelujah. So God sees us inwardly. Hallelujah. See, God sees the motivation of our heart. When Jesus saw the multitudes, the Bible says he was moved with compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. When he saw that people, they were sick and afflicted and they were in pain, the Bible says he was moved with compassion and he healed them. When he saw that people, they were bound with demons and unclean spirit. The Bible says he was moved with compassion and he delivered them. When he saw that people, they were hungry. The Bible says he was moved with compassion and he fed them. Jesus' mission was to seek and to save the lost. But his motivation was the love of the Father. That's what Paul said. It's the love of Christ that has compelled us. What keeps us moving what keeps us going in spite of the obstacles, in spite of the challenge, in spite of the contradicting, contradicting circumstances, circumstances and the contradicting people. What keeps us moving, what keeps us going, it is the love of Christ. 
We must be motivated with a heart of compassion and prayer. What is first love? The Bible says, nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. It's interesting. It did not say that you have, you lose your first love or you have lost your first love. It says you left your first love. At one time you were there and now you are not in that place anymore. You have left that place. You are in a different place. What is first love? First love is loving God with all of our hearts, all of our mind, and all of our soul, and all of our strength. First love is putting God first in every area of our lives. In the book of Genesis, it says, in the beginning, God. So God must be in the beginning of everything. God must be in the beginning of our day. God must be in the beginning of our work. God must be in the beginning of everything that we do. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What is the first thing that is on your mind when you wake up in the morning? What is the last thing that is on your mind when you go to bed? If Jesus is not the Lord of all, then he is not Lord at all. There are times that we left our first love. There are times we become cold in our walk with God. I was thinking of the word first. It's F-I-R-S-T. First, F stands for finance. Is God first in the areas of your finance? Do you always honor God with your tithes and your offering? Or do you always put your need above God? When you put your need above God, your need will eat you up. When you put God above your need, God will meet your need according to his riches and glory. Is God first in the areas of your finance? I stands for interest. Is God first in the areas of the interest, some of us, you know, we're interested in sports. Some of us are interested in, in uh, gardening or in arts. Uh, some of us are interested in Facebook. <laughs> and iPhone and iPad. It's all I. <laughs> Focus on I. It's got first in the areas of your interest. R stands for relationship. Is God first in the areas of your relationship? Before you build a relationship with someone, do you always ask God about it? Do you always seek God's direction and wisdom? S stands for schedule. Schedule. Is God first in your schedule? And T stands for trouble. Is God first in the areas of your trouble? When you face, your, when you face trouble, is God first in your trouble? When you're faced with trouble, do you always go to the pumps? Take medicine. <laughs> Take the bottle. <laughs> or you run to the psyche. Is God first in the areas of your trouble? This is a real test. 
So if God is first in your life, he has to be first in the areas of your finance. He has to be first in the areas of your interest. He has to be first in the areas of your relationship, in your schedule, and also in times of your trouble. God must be first in every area of your life. You know, there are times in our life we always rely on our past experience, past victories. You know, when the children of Israel, they were in the wilderness, God promised that he will be their provider. God provides manna every single day. And he gave specific instruction that they cannot keep today's manna for tomorrow. Because God has promised that every day he will, he will provide fresh manna every day. Do you realize that God does not have cupboards to keep leftovers? God does not also have refrigerator or even microwave to reheat the leftovers. Because God has promised that every day he'll provide fresh manna. That's why Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Every day, you cannot rely on yesterday's victory or last year's revival. Every day, we need a fresh manna. Every day, we need a fresh bread. Every day, we need a fresh touch of God in our hearts and also in our lives. In Psalm 110, it says, you have anointed me with fresh oil. That's what we need. Every day of our lives, we need a fresh oil of the anointing of God upon our lives. And then he said, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. He said, at one time, you were at the top, and now you have fallen. It's time to reevaluate. It's time to take stock of your life. How was your prayer life? How is your word life? How is your faith work? How is your fellowshipping with other believers? How is your testimony in sharing Christ to others? How is the, in the areas of your giving? At one time, you were at the top. And now you have fallen. How far you have fallen in your prayer life? How far you have fallen in your word life? When was the last time? When your children opened the door, they saw you kneeling down in prayer before God Almighty. When was the last time when your children opened the door and they see you reading your Bible? When was the last time? Some of us, we might be still attending church. We might be still tithing. We might be still in the choir and singing and even preaching. But deep down inside of us, we feel that there is a barrenness. There is a dryness in our hearts. And life just becomes boring because we have left our first love. We have fallen from where we used to be. Hallelujah. You have to consider how far you have fallen. 
in your prayer life, in your word life, in your faith walk. And then he said, repent, repent, and do the first works. What he's saying is this. At one time you were at the top, and now you have fallen. And now it's time for you to reconsider your ways. See how far you have fallen in your prayer life. How far you have fallen in your love relationship with God. How far you have fallen in your word life, in your faith walk. In the areas of honoring God. With your substance. And this is what he's saying. As you consider your way, you see how far you have fallen. You have to repent. And this is what he's saying. And then you have to return back to the top. It's time for us, my beloved, to return to the top. As we consider our ways. As we take stock of our lives. And we have to return to the Lord. You know, the Bible says, if you return to me, I will return to you. If you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. If you seek me with all of your heart, surely you will find me. God loves to be loved. God loves to be worshipped. God loves to be praised. I really believe this morning there is a drawing of the Spirit of God in our hearts. That we have to return to our first love. We have to return to the place of prayer. We have to return to the word of God. We have to return to faith. We have to return to the place of worship. The place of communion. The place of intimacy with God. You know so many times we talk about the community. And how we need to reach out to the community. With the different ministries that God has blessed us with. But so many times we don't understand that God the Father. Also have a need. And God's greatest need is to spend time with his children. He loves to spend time with his children. That's why the Bible says that he who dwells in the sacred place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of God Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, he is my strength. He is my fortress in times of need. The meaning of the word God Almighty in Hebrew is Jehovah Elion. And the meaning of the word Jehovah Elion, he is the highest of all the highest and no one is higher than him. The Bible says that he who hangs around, he who spent time in the secret place of the Most High, shall abide under the shadow of God Elion. Because he is the highest of all the highest, the greatest of all the greatest. He is greater than all of your troubles. He's greater than all of your pains. He's greater than all of your challenges. He's greater than all of your sickness and all of your infirmities. And when you spend time in his presence, his greatness will swallow all of your problems and all of your troubles. He who spent time. As I begin to travel around the nations. As I begin to minister. The word of God to the body of Christ around the world. I sense 
There is a corporate call that God is calling his people from every nation, from every streams of Christianity. I really believe he's calling all of us to a place of intimacy, a place of communion with him. We must learn to love him. We must learn to honor him. We must learn to hear his voice. We must learn to walk with him. Because even as we talk about reaching the world, as we talk about mission, we must understand it's not your mission, it's not my mission, it is his mission. And he's inviting all of us to partner with him in accomplishing his mission to the rest of the world. When you see mission from that perspective, working for God, it's, it's a joy. It's a privilege. A lot of people are struggling. They try to pump it up and hype it up and walk it up. Friends, you cannot swim against the current. There is the river of the life of God that is flowing. God is moving all over the world. God is speaking to his people. And it's wonderful for you to learn to be connected with God the Father. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. He connects us to the heart of the Father. And when you are connected to the heart of the Father, the Father reveals his heart to you. And when he reveals his heart to you, it always captures your heart. It always melts your heart. It always brings you to the place of brokenness. And then when you're in his presence, he also reveals his presence. He reveals his glory. And when God reveals his glory, it will change your life forever. Because we are changed from glory to glory. From glory to glory. And deadly. When we are in the presence of the Father, He reveals His purpose. And God's purpose for your life is bigger than yourself. It's bigger than your nation. It's bigger than the All Blacks. <laughs> Hallelujah. When we return to Him, He accepts us. He receives us. He accepts us. He forgives us. And he restores us. The psalmist say, Oh, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. God restores our relationship with him. But he does not only accepts us, forgives us, and restores us, but God also equip, empower, and anoint us so that he can use us for his glory. I really believe, my beloved, it's time for us to return to our first love. It's time for us to return to the Lord. It's time for us to return to the place of prayer, the place of power, the place of worship. Let's bow down with a word of prayer. Father, we bless you and we thank you for speaking to us this morning. Lord, I pray that you'll search our heart. And I pray, oh God, that you'll bring into our memory, Lord, the things that we have done that have grieved your heart. Lord, help us, O oh God, to know how far we have fallen. And Lord, I pray that you will bring that conviction in our hearts that will help us, O oh God, to return to you. 
And Lord, I pray that we will experience your loving arm. We will experience, Lord, the power of your forgiveness and the power of restoration in our hearts, O oh God. And Father, I just pray that as we return to you, Lord, as we make this commitment, O oh God, to return to you, as we realize, Lord, how far we have fallen from you, and Lord, I pray that there will be a drawing of the Spirit of God in our hearts, drawing us to the heart of the Father. And Lord, I pray for those people who are here this morning, Lord, who are still searching, Lord, to come to know you, to love you, Lord, and to honor you. Lord, I pray that you will speak into their hearts this morning. May they make the decision to receive Christ, to become the Lord and the Savior of their soul. May they experience that first love in their hearts this morning as they open their heart to you. Lord, we give you praise and we give you glory. We bless you, Lord, in the way that you are speaking to us. Wherever you are this morning, I pray that the Lord will continue to speak to you and for you to make the decision this morning to return to the Father. Wherever you are this morning, just turn to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm returning to you. I'm returning to my first love. I'm returning to the place of prayer. I'm returning to the place of worship. I'm returning wholeheartedly to you, O oh God. Take me. Forgive me. Restore me. Mold me. And shape me. Anoint me and use me for your glory. Fantastic. Wow, what an amazing word. So powerful. Why don't we stand to our feet? We're going to sing How Great Is Our God, because I think that is the place we need to start, just to respond to that message. Just to really allow God just to continue speaking. So let's really sing it out. Let's allow the Holy Spirit just to come and keep speaking personally to us. Is our God. Yes, you are. Is our God. And all will see how church let's worship him this morning lift your hands up your voice
You're the name. You're the name above all names. You are worthy of all praise. And my heart to sing. Go to that. Is our God. Yes, he is. Oh, God. How great is our God. How great, how great is our God. Jesus. church God's so in this place and I so sense he wants us to just really respond to that just so clear word you know get back to that place but before we do I don't want to lose that last part of that message so church if you could just close your eyes and, and just pray I don't know where you are I don't know what you've done. I don't know what's happened in your life. But right now, I know that for every single one of us, there's a God in heaven who loves us. There's a God in heaven who wants to spend time with us. There's a God in heaven who cares about you so much that He sent His only Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for you so that you could know forgiveness, so that we all could know what it means to have that personal relationship with God. I love that thought of what Pastor Sully said about the fact that God needs our relationship. God wants relationship with every single one of us. And I know that in this room, there are people right now that you have not just lost that first love, but you've actually really fallen away from God. And today he's got you here in this place because you're like, because he's saying, come back to me. Come back and get right with me. Get in that right place. Well, maybe you're here in this place and you've never, you've never made that decision to ask Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. You've never asked Him to forgive you of your sins, of the wrong things you've done. Well, this morning I'd love to pray with you as well and, and lead you in a prayer and asking Jesus to come and forgive your sins. So right now as no one's looking around and the church is praying, if that's you, you're in either one of those areas. You've either really fallen away from God and you're like, man, I need to get back where Jesus is Lord of my life. This isn't, oh, I want to get my first love back. This is, I need God back in my life. Or maybe you're here and you've never done it. And today, God has got you here. As no one's looking around, if that is you, I want to know that you want prayer. So why don't you just throw up your hand and say, yes, Sam, I need to do that. I'm going to acknowledge it, and we're going to pray in a few moments' time. So right now, as no one's looking around, 
if God is speaking to you and you know, yeah, I'm here this morning and I need to get right with God. You know, we are all sinners saved by grace, but we have to come to that place and say, Jesus, I need you in my life. Who's here this morning and say, yeah, that's me. Don't worry about what other people will think. Right now, most of them are praying for you. They're praying that you'll make this choice. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter how young you are. Right now, if you're here and you know God's speaking to you and you're like, I need to get right. Why don't you just throw up your hand and say, yeah, I need to do that this morning. I don't want to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. In this building, God is speaking. Church, keep praying. I, I, I know God's speaking. If you know you need to respond, there's one hand there. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Maybe that one person's giving you the courage to say, yeah, I need to do it as well. Who else right now? I don't want to rush this. God has got you here. In the balcony, across the ground floor, if God is speaking, don't worry about what other people think. Put fear and doubt aside and say, today, I'm choosing Jesus. Today, I'm choosing to get my life right on track with God. Who else? Right now. All you have to do is throw up your hand. We're going to see and we're going to pray in a few moments' time. Keep praying, church. Who else? Is there a young person here you're saying it this morning? I need to do this. Today, make that choice. Just throw up your hand. This is my last call, and then we're going to pray. If you need to be included in this, you want to be included in this prayer, just throw up your hand. Put all this doubt and fear and say, yeah, Sam, that's me as well. Anyone else? My last call. Okay, I don't see any other hands. Ma'am, can I pray with you? Is that all right? Is that all right? Can I pray with you? Church, let's put our hands together. You know, this is what it's all about. If you're out there and you know you should be part of this prayer as well, you can come right now and we're going to pray. But we're going to pray together. It's awesome. Let's just pray together. Let's just pray together. So let's just all pray this prayer. And let's just repeat after me. Say, Father God, I want to say thank you that you love me so much, that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I ask right now, you come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive my sins. And help me to live for you all my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Fantastic. That's so good.